0: 5 WHMT.
1: And good afternoon, and thank you for joining us this afternoon, on this Monday afternoon. Hello to you, Dan Torres.
2: Hey, Buzz. Well, How's your weekend?
1: Well, my weekend. How was your... Listen, we're going to talk about the world today.
2: Oh, wow. And we're
1: going to start with one particular cup in the world. Okay. What's that? Ryder's Cup? Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> It's the cup. You care so much about the World Cup. Now I know Brazil was eliminated. They were. So that, and then the finals was the reigning champion French. Yes, the and French team. The Argentinian. Yeah. With your favorite, Lionel Messi.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's. And so, what do you think of that game? It was the best soccer game I have ever seen in my entire life, and wow. uh, and I remember soccer since nineteen ninety four. But I don't. You know, okay, so had it ended 2 0 with Argentina winning, I would have said that was one of the worst finals I had ever seen. It was boring. Argentina dominated the first half. They scored all the goals and it's over. But that's not what happened. The French team, once they got a goal in, I knew game on, they have 10 minutes to tie the game. They did tie the game, it went into extra time. It was really exciting. And then it ended in penalties. And so. Yeah, it was exciting. I'm happy for Lionel Messi. I'm a fan, even though I'm Brazilian. So many and say he's a, the greatest
1: a... offensive power in the history of yeah. of world football, and yeah. he had yeah. never
2: won. He had never won a World Cup, and that would always hang over his legacy because he, he is probably not going to be at the World Cup in 2026 here in the United States. It's most likely because of age. Um, and if he is invited, he's likely to be on the bench and not starting. So it, it's big for his legacy as being, I'm um, the greatest, and, so and by like having a World Cup.
1: Here, just in another minute yeah. or so, who did you watch with?
2: Oh, uh, my buddy Dave. I went to his house. Did yeah. you scream at a television set? I did, yeah. There was some screaming, and he was he was <laughs> nervous. He couldn't watch the game. He's walked away. People in soccer, they become... Uh, I don't know what to call it like anxious and they have to like step away from the TV. He's a did real fan. Did Dave flop. <laughs> he <laughs> did was he cheering pre- for Argentina and he <laughs> couldn't stand it that, that they hadn't won the game. And, uh, but I, uh, can I say that, you know, Mbappe uh, is the heir apparent to Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, right now that young man who is 22 uh, years old, I think, uh, He's 21 or 22. Um, he knows what the goal looks like. He knows what the goals look He won the golden boot, which means he scored the most goals. He is the, the French uh, star, superstar. And uh, it's pretty amazing to see. Look, here is why I wanted Argentina to win, uh, out of all the reasons. Um, the last four winners, going back to 2002 when Brazil won it, every winner since has been a European team. Italy, Spain, Germany, France. Those have been the, la- the last few winners. And it's like, hey, if France wins against, they've won now back America to Viva América de Sud. Oh uh, yes, and I didn't want a team to win back to back, which only the Brazilians and the Italians have done. Well, I was so. happy for you, and I—I couldn't watch it, but I
1: did hear and it's then a great I game. read extensively. Bill Newman, who
2: does not watch soccer, loved it. So,
3: well, there you go.
2: Then it must be. <laughs> but anyway,
1: speaking of the Golden Boot. We have Bill Dwight in studio. Oh, wow,
3: that's my introduction. That's a transition. That's that's in the business that's known as a Segway, folks. And there we go. <laughs> wow. A segue that deserves an apology. But, but no, anyway. no, not
1: at all. Um, hey, I really miss you. You haven't been here in a while. How no. have you been?
3: I've been
1: great. How are things in Holly when you have big, wet, ice? snowstorms? I
3: have uh, lots of downed trees. I had to pull a tree off my house. With my tractor, I'm telling you, I'm living the dream. It's just, it's <laughs> really, it really is. I loved it. I went up there. You know, we had nothing down here, and it was just you know, it's just slop on slop. I couldn't
1: believe it. Yeah, we had 14 inches in Ashfield. Yeah, they, and did, then I came down here, and it was grass showing.
3: It was uh, apparently the snow line. The difference was between one inch and a foot. Yeah, it's uh, it just uh if you go if folks drive up Route Nine, pretty much as soon as you hit Goshen, bang. Suddenly, suddenly everything well, We Well,
1: we got five inches, what was it, a few days before this storm. Right, right.
3: And we, we had,
1: so I had a big, uh, my hands are outstretched almost to their capacity. I'm going to say a three-foot diameter cherry tree we had to take down. It was really sad. That's, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it was a big shade tree, and we had to take it down. And on top of that, I put a piece of ashfield stone It's probably two feet by four feet and made a little pro- impromptu bench. All right. The snow on that was 15 inches deep. There you go.
3: That's, no, that's why I measure close to 17 inches in Holly where I was and it was heavy wet snow that I, that I missed out on. I had to drive up to get into the, in the stuff we'll call it. Um, and it was, uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. beautiful, Except there is a lot of tree damage. I talked to
1: Dan. I talked to you, Dan. I told you it was like exquisite. Looking out the window, it was exquisite. Yeah, Yeah. it's
3: it's, it's, winter wonderland. Is the winter wonderland snow globey like? It's it's what winter should look like, as opposed to you know, dog poop coming up through cigarette butts on snowbanks and and soot covered. Snow. That's that's snow what snow. we're used to down here. This
1: now. is why H M P gave him the golden boot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's right. They gave me the golden boot. <laughs> 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 oh wow. <laughs> so did you watch the commission the the uh January sixth commission? I did.
3: I did. Um
1: let uh, me let me give a little. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, if that's okay. Uh, pl- yeah, I've been thinking a lot about the rule of law. I've been teaching. Well, this seems
3: reasonable, given your given my your, profession, your profession, and all,
1: and yeah. my love of uh, liberal democracy as defined in, by you know great Enlightenment thinkers and the like. And I was reading a piece by Sarah Rapoche and Amy Slipowitz in Freedom House, and this is how they start: Global freedom faces a dire threat. Around the world, the enemies of liberal democracy—a form of self-government in which human rights are recognized and every individual um, is entitled—and every individual is entitled to treatment which is fair under the law—well, those attacks are accelerating, um, and they go through some examples, and they talk about how there can be no liberal democracy without a rule of law. That is, instead of an individual, you know, we can talk about. Uh, Uh, the whims of an individual, as opposed to the rule of law. And they lay out four different criteria for how to define a rule of law. The laws must be clear, just, and applied evenly to fundamental rights. The process by which the laws are enacted and administered and enforced is accessible, fair, transparent, and efficient. Justice is delivered timely by competent, ethical, and independent representatives that reflect the makeup of the communities they serve. And finally, the government and citizens, each one, are accountable under the law. So, I'm, of course, thinking of this in the context of today's
3: referrals. Well, that's actually pointing point in fact to more or less what Jamie Raskin of Maryland had said when he was reading out the charges that they were recommending the criminal charges be further investigated by the Justice Department. Um, was that they, it would be a complete failure if they did not acknowledge and recognize and did not make these recommendations, given everything that they know now that their uh, special brand of justice would be applied for people in elected high positions or with wealth. And that would, well, while that does occur on the rarest of occasions in the United States, that there is some deference made to position, um, In this case, they said that they would definitely be remiss if they did not make these charges for those very reasons, and you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, you know, this is—we haven't really been forced to face the whole concept of what the Constitution is and what it means and how it is applied, fairly or unfairly, in this country— for a long time. I mean, even with Richard Nixon, it was more or less, it was, it, the Constitution wasn't at issue, more or less. It was a dimension of it. In this case, the whole Constitution and the oath of office and the apparent, <laughs> and I'm being kind, apparent violations that Donald Trump systematically mm. committed during the course, particularly throughout his tenure, but also currently, but more specifically on those few days surrounding um the final tabulation of the electoral college votes which he tried to stop right which he tried to subvert and he tried to subvert the, the tabulation itself the tabulation <laughs> itself by calling and and those and, and We were ahead you got to stop now I'm sorry I'm sorry yeah, yeah that's what he did he did do that as soon as uh, they were ahead with the they hadn't finished counting the mail-in ballots and the other ones, and he wanted all ballot counting to stop. That was their first ploy. That was a Rudy Giuliani ploy. Um, subsequent to that, then also declaring that everything else was false and uh, despite his own Justice Department saying, we've investigated and vetted everything, every accusation you've come up with, and nothing indicates that any of these subverted this outcome. Um, it's interesting, most of the cases of... Uh, election violations that I've heard so far have all been people voting Republican, uh, you know, and they're individuals. They didn't affect the race one way or the other, but there were individuals vo- voting in two states in some cases like that, and it's. Um, this is something. These seeds have been planted for a long time by the Republican Party with intent um, to basically call for. Uh, One, to diminish people's um, trust in the election system. Mm. I mean, and this is a strategy of a minority party trying to just dampen um, votes. So to discourage people from voting. And then at the same time, um, you know, working district maps, gerrymandering, if you will. and, um, And then basically priming everything for Donald Trump to take it, the step that it they probably most Republicans weren't thinking going, which is to say it was all false. It's all a lie. It's all being manipulated by the deep state in order to keep George Soros in charge of the world. Mm. And it is, and there were 74 million people who believe that, who maybe still do, which that also still makes me feel really, really uncomfortable.
1: Right, are are you as angry at those people as you are at Donald Trump?
3: Um, I'm as angry as the enablers that uh, saw an opportunity in Congress and the Republican Party who decided to sell their souls in order to crawl on the back of that tiger and take it for a ride. Th- those people, I mean, you know, you you've seen some who've, since been a little more contrite, you know, even on the... Operative there there is little. Yeah. Well, I mean, for instance, Mitch McConnell yeah. basically saying at, at the time that they were able, able to um, reconvene after the riots and the um, say that this was Donald Trump's fault, he has lost the election, blah, blah, blah. But the fact is they... They really chose to, and, and this is, you know, and it's not exclusive to the Republicans, but the Democrats, I mean, the Re- Republicans have turned it into a fine art. I mean, you know, starting with Pat Buchanan convincing Richard Nixon on the Southern strategy that we can, we can apply and use racism in order to create a voting bloc that used to belong to the Democrats. Um <laughs> they used to own racism now now you know now the Republicans should take By charge Patrick
1: of it. Gannon, who was in one interview he was asked are your policies racist and he said I'm trying to win a job don't you understand that's, yeah
3: yeah that I'll
1: sell myself that's to about win a sums job. it up
3: they did it with evangelicals as well the Christian right um uh, with Jerry Falwell actually and now Jerry Falwell jr who's currently Fallen from grace, if you will, for, for fell well, <laughs> fell well, yeah, <laughs> baboom, <laughs>
1: and, um, but and I want I want to interrupt you, Bill sure. Dwight, because you, so many of us who consider ourselves patriots who love, the concept of liberal democracy and the constitution's aspirations, but you actually lived it as president of the city council. You know, Tip O'Neill famously said, "All politics are local." Do you think it hits a little harder when you're an elected official with serious responsibilities in a community like Northampton
3: than it does the rest of us? Do you, do you think you feel it more acutely? Uh, I don't I don't want to compare my feelings with anyone else. But the thing that it, I did notice, the pernicious impact that's been ongoing, which is this profound distrust of public servants. Mm. Um, you know, we rank lower than car salesmen. And, and, and lawyers, no, hey, watch <laughs> it, pal. Just said. If, politicians are the scum of the earth, basically, mm-hmm. right? They're only in it for themselves. And you know, particularly when you're working on a municipal level, which is really bizarre because there's no way in hell there's anyone getting rich from their work in a, a in a local, uh, government. It's not, but that cynicism is pervasive throughout. Now it's always been there. I'm not, but it's been, it's been massaged and enhanced and made so many multiple times worse than it used to be. And so consequently, you don't see a lot of people really interested in running unless they're, <clears throat> they like performing or, or serving when they're serving. You have people of good conscience, conscience, um, serving an office, trying to make the right decisions for the right reasons, and they are, everything they do is suspect and considered the act of a fool who's out for themselves. And that, that is, that's a tragedy. It's really a tragedy. It's really terrible. I have nothing but profound
1: respect for people who give of themselves as public servants for little or no money or stipend in this region. And um, and I hear that kind of cynicism, and it's really sad. We, we're going to take a break. We're talking with built white um we're just talking yeah that's what i do we back and we we'll talk some more
0: this is the afternoon buzz with buzz eisenberg 1015 whmp when it's happening here in the valley we're talking about it
4: hearing the verdict and hearing the words racial animus were extremely painful for certainly for myself and for the women and men of the greenfield police department who really do go to work every day to serve
5: the people of greenfield
0: 1015 1400 and 1240 we are the valley we are whmp
5: Cooper's Corner in Florence can be a real time saver for you around the holidays. When you run out, run in. We have what you need. Cooper's is also the place to order fresh, baked-from-scratch pies or to pick up a nice wine or fresh produce or deli party platters. Cooper's Corner, a part of the community for nearly 50 years. We're the Coopers. We're your neighbors. We treat you right. Main and Chestnut Streets, Route 9, Florence. Open every day of the year. And in Northampton, State Street Fruit Store, Deli Wines and Spirits has what you need for the holidays and all year long. Open seven days.
4: The State Street Deli has the cheese you want for holiday entertaining like genuine Italian Parmesan, free with herbs, Morbier, French St. Andre, and award-winning domestic cheese such as Vermont cheddar, Maytag blue, and goat cheese. You'll also find at State Street a great selection of cold cuts and pâtés, and we create the best deli platters and fruit baskets.
5: State Street Fruit Store Deli Wines and
6: Spirits in Northampton, open till nine every day.
7: The holidays, baking, wrapping, decorating, and of course, shopping for that special gift. Hi, it's Jessica, owner of Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. This holiday season, consider giving a private one-on-one personal training session with a Fitness Together gift card. Stop by our locations, Amherst or Northampton, to pick one up in person. Or give us a call and we'll drop one in the mail. Give a gift that keeps the ones you love fit and healthy. Happy holidays from all of us at Fitness Together. When it comes to investing, we're taught the higher the risk, the better the reward. Francis Ram, the money doctor, says it isn't necessarily true. We need to remember that with risk comes the potential for losses, and making up losses can set us back or worse, delay our retirement. You've heard the testimonials for years about how her patented program helps people become 100% debt-free far ahead of schedule. But did you know that for more than 35 years, Dr. Ram has been helping people retire well without unnecessary risk? Dr. Ram says most people mistakenly accept that in order to earn attractive interest rates, they must tolerate risk and that choosing safety means settling for lackluster returns. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can earn competitive rates and minimize taxes without risking a single dollar of your hard-earned savings. Contact the money doctor at Hug Your Money for a free consultation. Call 413-773-3333 or visit HugYourMoney.com
0: This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP.
1: Well, I told you we'd stop talking for the commercial break, but we never stopped talking. So, so Bill, do you... So, assuming that um, Jack Smith and uh, and, uh, the Justice Department decides to go forward... Seek indictments, obtained indictments, right? Obtains indictments, and uh, that there are convictions. Do you, uh, what do you see in t- in terms of the divisiveness that marks our polity these days? Well,
3: think in in two weeks' time, there will be a new Congress convened, and there will be a Republican majority. Jim Jordan will be the head of the Judiciary Committee. He's currently in ethics violation of of avoiding a subpoena from this committee. The first thing he vowed to do was establish a committee to investigate this committee. That was the first. He's got a long list of things that he wants to do. And um, he's a master of false equivalencies and a master of, of exploiting divisions. Um, so yeah. I think, and by the way, any convictions that happen are not going to happen within a matter of weeks. No, as, they're as, not. As, but if, uh, if they happen. But yes, I think it will be an ongoing campaign to uh, subvert those uh, that investigation. And then if there's a recommendation to go to trial, it would be to subvert that. And it would give them the energy that they seem to thrive off of. Uh, it's not a surprise. I mean, look, I would imagine... In that respect, if I'm being honest, if the Democrats were in the same position, that's exactly what they would do as well. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see a lot of kumbaya moments for us in the future. I'm afraid. I think, you know, Newt Gingrich more or less established what are the a prospects for, democ-
1: for representative democracy. As we, well, that's all. We oh,
3: that's it. the one that's the most nervous making, and that's what Liz Cheney continually speaks of. Um, and, you know, you, you had this presidential candidate calling for essentially tossing out the, the constitutional rule, right? Because it's problematic. <laughs> and he wants, he wants to change it.
2: I, I wanted to ask both of you um, a, a question. I've been reading about this January 6th committee, and it seems like there was a tension between Liz Cheney and one of the Democrats. It seemed like Liz Cheney wanted to focus on Trump on what Trump did. Some of the Democrats wanted to spread around some of the the, the blame here on January sixth. I'm curious to know what you both think there about was a, there that. There's an
1: article about that. I think it was in Politico and which but but the contention in the article mm. I won't say contention. Um, there was an insinuation is because she has presidential aspirations, so what she really wanted to do is take down Trump. Mm. Uh, I think she genuinely believes that the guy is the danger that we see him yeah. as being, and I, I think she is genuinely trying to protect representative democracy for not to live another day. But they were saying that the, um, and by the way, it was not named who the two Democrats were that she was arguing with, who wanted to indict co-conspirators. Which well, you,
3: is, you can probably guess, uh, Raskin
1: th- and Schiff. You think Schiff, no, Schiff
3: for sure. Well, there, well, maybe Schiff, but then there
2: was another person from Florida who's retiring. Oh, okay. What's her name? Yeah.
3: Okay. Um, that one um, has, was
2: published. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one they there was yeah. attention.
1: Yeah. So th- these were unnamed in in the article the that I read, organs. but but um, I guess at the end of the day, the referral goes to the other alleged co-conspirators. They're not
2: alleged. They're co-conspirators. <laughs>
3: They're co-conspirators. Yes, That's, yes.
2: But but will the Justice Department doesn't have to prosecute them after getting right. a criminal referral, so, right? I mean, well, this it, is
3: not a mandate. It's not yeah. an order. It's a recommendation from a committee based on but the evidence they it's collected. It's a
1: congressional committee. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And it's to a Justice Department headed by a Democrat that was
2: confirmed by this. So, Senate. So, so does that mean another special counsel will be appointed? Well, we got one. Already no, have, have one. Do there we just add it to? Yeah, Jack to, Smith yeah. is already there. But but isn't he looking at the Mar-a-Lago documents? Just, his workload just got a little bigger. It, oh, it, okay. All right. Uh, I didn't. Uh, okay. Those, yeah. those are all gotcha. the
3: federal. All the federal charges. Never mind the uh, uh, the various district courts throughout the country that are currently yeah. also investigating. And superior
1: courts. Yeah, and, yeah. In in New York State, it's uh, the, the Tisha James, the Attorney General, and. In Fulton County, Georgia, it's an election thing. I mean, there's, and that's not to mention all the civil stuff about the Trump organization. It's
3: which they've already lost one. Uh, Letitia James successfully prosecuted that, and and the, Donald the Trump, Trump was not actually mentioned ever at any point. But of course,
1: other than the name Trump organization, it's a Trump,
3: guy. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, the guy is a
3: crime family.
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's a crime family.
3: Well, you know, and, and you were speaking about accountability before, and I think that's the emphasis on this. There has been, never been accountability for his behavior since he was a, you know, teething. He, and which is why we have the Donald Trump that we have. They really he has never, despite the fact that he basically does what he wants to do for him, very selfishly, there have never been consequences. There, has never suffered any punishment, even when racism was determined uh, in their organization in their in their apartment rentals and things like that when, when, or when his firm had been uh, charged, prosecuted, and convicted before, no real consequences. And that's what he's learned in so far, and the same thing. I mean you know his argument is, I uh, just fight back harder. I think um, that's
1: right, Bill. Right? You know, I think, I wish we had more time, uh, although I'm very happy because uh, <laughs> Megan's Megan's wonderful um, spot is coming up. But, I, you know, I just want to say that it's always about accountability. You know, there's these dates. Um, you know, the king was held accountable on July 4th of 1776. We have, you know, Appomattox, which was on April 9th of, 19, of 1865. And Six days later, we remember April 15th when the president was shot and killed. We have a day that lives in infamy. Ultimately, uh, the Japanese were held accountable, I think. And August 8th of 1974, when Richard Dixon resigned, he was held accountable. It's taken too long to get to the point where there were these referrals because it was obvious to all of us that Trump and his cohorts were guilty of trying to subvert a fair and free election.
3: And it has been done with uh, a brashness and a boldness that's never experienced before. No contrition. There's been no sense of contrition or apology, and that works apparently.
1: And some say that he's not capable of it unless we get him in a prison where I think he belongs along with his colleagues. But I I
2: really don't think we see that. How would that be possible if he has Secret Service protection? I mean, is that even logistically possible.
3: He's, he was always be the ex-president.
2: And I think the Republicans would be under well,
6: pressure. As somebody
1: who's opposed to isolation, hold him in isolation you he be surrounded by a few <laughs> Secret Service
3: guys. You, you want him to go to Gitmo then? No, <laughs> the, oh, <next> <laughs> got me there. It, it's um, not going to happen. So. No, yeah.
1: Well, listen, it is time. We have to take a break. Bill Dwight. I love you as a guest.
3: I love being here, Buzz. So well, I'm, I'm flattered you ass.
1: We're just going to have to nail you again.
3: You know where to find me.
1: Yeah, Holly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we're going to take a break. He's going to go back and take a tractor and remove a tree from his house. <laughs> we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back with Megan Zinn, the writer's block, right after these messages.
0: This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP.
7: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. A man is recovering in the hospital after being shot at a bar in Holyoke Saturday night. Police responded to the Unicorn on High Street Saturday night around 8.45 p.m. Upon arrival, they found the victim on the floor with several gunshot wounds. Police are still looking for the suspect who fleed the bar following the shooting. The Amherst Planning Board is doing a site plan review of the former Michaels billiards for a proposed project from ServiceNet. The Northampton agency wants to convert the building in East Amherst into 12 efficiency apartments for their clients. Site improvements proposed by the agency include repaving and restriping the existing parking lot, removing a building entrance, and installing new pedestrian walkways. The planning board meets again on January 4th. After a year of negotiations and arbitration, the city council last week approved the recently signed Westfield Patrol Officers Coalition Succession Agreement for July 1st, 2022 to June 30th, 2025. Last month, the city council approved a separate contract for police superior officers who are represented by a different union than the patrol officers. And Joe Kennedy III, the former Massachusetts congressman who challenged Senator Ed Markey in 2020, will be appointed by President Biden to a special envoy for Northern Ireland. The role will focus on economic development. Ireland's internal politics have been fraught since the UK decided to withdraw from the European Union
0: sunshine and scattered clouds breezy this afternoon a high of 36 to 40 mostly clear tonight evening temperatures in the 30s overnight lows in the teens and 20s and a mostly sunny day here tomorrow a high of 34 to 38 still tracking a light mixed rain for thursday night and friday i'm 22 news storm team meteorologist brian lapis 101.5 whmp
8: hey it's jason with the weather channel and snowcountry.com one of the best savings rates in america is another reason banking with capital one is the easiest decision what's in your wallet terms apply see capital one slash bank capital one na member fdic While well, many mountains in the northeast measured that a weekend snowfall in feet with big snow giving an early season a big push it's the perfect time to hit the slopes right before the big holiday stretch at Jiminy Peak, they've got action till 10 daily. Two dozen runs open now. Ski Butternut and Catamount on about a half dozen. Catamount making snow across the mountain to increase terrain for the upcoming holiday week. Wichuset added a few runs this weekend. They're up to near a dozen. They've got skiing till 7 every night. Stratton and Killington around 90 trails each. Killington got almost 30 inches in the last six days. This report brought to you by Smuggler's Notch, Vermont where family funds guaranteed. Visit smugs.com. Check out more at snowcountry.com. I'm Jason Dean.
7: Right in your town, maybe even in your neighborhood, an immigrant is building a new life, trying to find their way, all while learning a new language. The International Language Institute offers free English classes for immigrants and refugees. For true beginners and others, like students in our Bridge to College and Careers program. One of the nation's top language schools is right here with free English classes for immigrants and refugees. The International Language Institute in downtown Northampton.
0: this is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP.
1: We are back for an always entertaining and enlightening uh, writer's block segment with Megan Zinn. Hello, Megan Zinn. Hi,
9: nice to be here. Um, and it's nice to be here with my guest, MB Cachetta. Um, and uh, welcome, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. Um, and so, MB Cachetta is a recipient of the W.K. Rose Fellowship for Emerging Artists, the Sherwood Anderson Foundation Writing Award, and the Seattle Review Prize for Fiction, among others. Her essays have appeared in the New York Times, Provincet- Provincetown Art Magazine, and Creative Nonfiction. Her novel, Miracle Girls, won several awards and was a top 10 pick in People magazine. Uh, her medical writing has been published in the New England Journal of Medicine, New Scientist and the SIECUS report. Uh, she's a content strategist for healthcare communications and she lives in Northampton. Wow, I'm exhausted I listening exist. to this. I'm yes. exhausted too. She lives in Northampton with playwright Meryl Cohen and their standard poodle baby cast. and I do want to interject that you uh, you and your partner have great dog names. Yep. I assume this dog is a its a reference to Mama Cast. It
4: is a reference to Mama Cast. That's, That's good. Awesome. Usually we we do them after literary figures are done. Yes, because there was
9: Violet Leduc mm-hmm. and Lillian Hellman yes, exactly. um, were also but previous dogs. Yes,
4: Cassandra came with her name, so we call her ah. baby cats.
9: Oh, oh, that's lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, MB's memoir. We're here, we're here to talk about MB's memoir. Yeah, not my dogs. Um, well, not her <laughs> dogs. But, you know, memoir, dog, it's your life. Um, is her memoir "A Cheerleader's Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment"? Uh, is a collection of um, mem- it's a memoir, but it's a collection of essays, and it was published in November. Um, and it's available at Broadside and Odyssey locally, and then <laughs> online at the various um, online outlets. So, launching in after that. Um,
4: that was so- too long. I, yeah, I don't yeah know well,
9: you've done too much. Um, so what inspired you to publish a memoir now?
4: These essays I've written sort of across mm-hmm. my life. I, I, I didn't really set out to publish a memoir. I just have always, while I've been working on my fiction, I've always written an essay here or there. I'll, I'll respond to a call for submission mm-hmm. or a prize, and they'll have a topic. So I, I've been writing on that probably since 1997. Okay, And then um, I sort of put them all together, uh, maybe... Five years ago, and kept trying to make it work as a whole. Mm-hmm. Kept revising, mm-hmm. revising. Mm-hmm. I have an editor. She kept revising, revising. Um, and then I got long COVID. Yes, I added as you talk the, about in the book. Yeah, and I added the last essay, which is about having long COVID. And um, I don't know, put it all together and did it sort of from bed, and it all kind of worked. And and then and then that was the memoir. That was
9: okay. Um, what um, had you? Although you didn't set out, I mean, it's to write a memoir in the same way that some people do, but have you read any other memoirists? Memo, mem- I don't know how to pronounce um, for inspiration. Is there um, other people whose memoirs have been particularly inspiring to you or or I, fun to I read? I really
4: loved Jeanette Winterson's. Oh, um, she is. What's she that? wrote Orange is Not the Only Fruit. Oh, okay. Remember, and um, mm-hmm. uh, there was a PBS special about it. It was quite a, a wonderful novel from way back. Um, and what was interesting about her um, memoir was that she, when you got to the end of it, you thought, um, oh, she doesn't know that her new girlfriend is really her mother from the, from the <laughs> beginning of the book. And I thought, oh, I, I don't want anyone to think, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing. So I was very sort of careful <laughs> to be as sort of honest and deep as I could get. Um, so that's a little bit of a reverse. But yeah. that I, I mean, I read all, all the memoirs.
9: Yeah, um, and well, you know, on and on that question about being as as um, deep and truthful as possible, um, how do you how do you go about as, as you're as you're writing these personal essays and which you've written over time? Um, how do you go about um, sort of your personal archaeology? Are you just going? I've always wondered when I read memoirs, I'm like, how I don't remember anything. Um, how do they do this? Um, and is it primarily really straight from memory, or do you do personal research. Do you talk to people or family members? Do you look in journals or or whatever? How do you go about doing it? Yeah,
4: I think all of that. Also, I was sort of writing these essays almost in real time, Mm. like an Mm -hmm. event would happen, and then I would Ah. write about it. So I didn't, it wasn't that far from memories. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did, sure, I had to ask um, certain questions of family members, and um, my family's really not that happy that I've written a memoir. So that, that <laughs> was a little, a little hard. Running yes. with scissors? Yeah, well, right. He right. And then he, get, he, did he gave me a, blur. he, we have a blurb. He gave me a blurb from... gives good blurb. Oh, really? Yes, oh, the cover of the book yeah, is the blurb from a- Augustine Burroughs. He wrote, I knew Mary Beth Cachetta was a brilliant writer from her modern love essay about being disinherited. What I didn't know until I read her stunning nonfiction collection is that she is a, also a trailblazer activist, ex-cheerleader, poodle-loving, almost none. <laughs> and those aren't even spoilers. <laughs> I mean, he gives good blurbs. He does wow, give good blurbs. Funny, I mentioned him. it. Yeah.
9: Fantastic. Um, so, um, if in sort of um, you know digging into your, your brain and your past as you write things, have you discovered things that you had forgotten about, or um, you know things that you just really hadn't remembered um, and dug mm-hmm. it dug it up emotionally, I suppose.
4: Yeah, I mean it's always a little emotional going back to, to certainly some of the things in the book that that happened to me. Um, I think also p- sort of part of ha- how I write, and it's true in fiction too, but but in the essays especially, I I have a feeling that mm-hmm. I have that I want the reader to have. Yeah, and so sometimes um, in trying to get there, yeah, there are new things that I didn't think was going to go in the essay, and oh, yeah, also sometimes. You sacrifice the truth a little bit to get mm-hmm, to the mm-hmm, truth, if mm-hmm. you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, oh, yes.
9: Never let the truth get in the way of a good story, Exactly. as but they but say. Can I, I, yeah, I, it's a good I,
4: question, right?
1: I've got a question. Yeah, right. We're, uh, MB Cachetta, is, is it MB, are you evaluating the truth with the eyes of MB from back then? Are you evaluating the MB stuff that happened back then from the eyes of MB now?
4: That's a good, very good question. I think it's impossible to not have my eyes now. Mm -hmm. I think it's impossible not to have your 2020 and try to make sense of it in the whole. Um, And so in that way, you're waiting specific things, you know, like, like, for instance, when I was a cheerleader, like I was really a cheerleader, Mm -hmm. like that was a thing that saved my life. And we were gymnastic, and we won prizes, and I didn't have any shame about it at mm-hmm. all or anything. It was it was what I was and yeah, who your I whole was. World. And now I? I look back at it, and I say, well, that was like a coping mechanism and not really who I was,
5: mm-hmm.
4: in part. And in part, it really was who I am. But, you know, now I'm like a queer activist, or and so it's, it's a little dissonant, but I think that makes it interesting.
9: Yeah. I know you couldn't have – if you had written about being a cheerleader when you were 20, it would have been a completely –
4: different memoir. I think so.
9: Yeah, yeah. Um I think I would imagine also as a um fiction writer, um you bring that eye, do you bring do you bring that eye to your memoir? So you're looking as you said before, where you're you're looking to um evoke a feeling in in the reader, um, which is um so you're not necessarily coming at it from I wanna here's the truth, here's the story I'm gonna tell it, but it's more like what of my story can I used to have that effect like a like a fiction writer would yes yeah
4: the, the very first essay uh, I ever was asked to write was it was in 1997 it was Joan Larkin who's um, wrote a book I uh, was uh, editing a book of um, an anthology of coming out stories and um, she said write it like fiction but tell me the mm-hmm. true story and so that just that was sort of a brilliant that's thing brilliant. that she said and that really that's how I write essays that's how I learned from you know, that prompt and I've always sort of done that so for me it's like an exploration of Mm -hmm. the truth you know Mm -hmm. I'm always Mm -hmm. sort of feeling around like is, is this what happened is this why that happened yeah. I'm trying to always yeah. figure out like, yeah. what the hell happened. Yeah. yeah, the truth. That's, That's the it. story of my life. Yes. yes. I mean, yeah. it's hard to and, know. And I mean,
9: I, I don't think any memoir or autobiography is 100% the truth because our memories are weird and the people we go to to get information, their memories are weird. And,
1: and there's and, too many truths. And
9: there's there a, lot a lot of, of truth. truths. Yeah. Yes.
1: We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with... Megan Zinn and uh, MB uh, Cachetta talking about A Cheerleader's Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment. It really sounds fascinating. Her new memoir. We'll be back right after these messages. Stay with us.
0: This is The Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP. Show no traces of the evil that lurks.
5: This week's Shop Tuesday is Slancha. This Tuesday at 9 a.m., Slancha releases gift certificates for their restaurant in Holyoke. High up on Jarvis Avenue with a view of Holyoke and beyond, good food and drink, lunch and dinner daily, plus a private upstairs party room with a bar. They say it on the old sod and they say it in Holyoke. Slancha available this Shop Tuesday at 9 a.m. on the Shop 30 store at WHMP.com. Co-op. At the Northampton Survival Center, we believe that no one should choose between paying bills or buying food. In
1: the Northampton Survival Center, queremos que nadie debería elegir entre pagar sus cuentas o comprar alimentos.
5: We supply free groceries for people in 18 Hampshire County communities in a safe outdoor distribution.
8: Proveemos comestibles gratis a personas en 18 comunidades del condado de Hampshire en una distribución segura y al aire libre.
5: For information about grocery pickup or delivery, Call 413-586-6564 or visit northamptonsurvival.org
1: Para información sobre recogida o entrega
8: de comestibles, llame al 413-586-6564 o visítenos en northamptonsurvival.org
5: If the challenges of the past year have left you needing help, we are here for you.
8: Si las dificultades del año pasado lo han llevado a necesitar ayuda, estamos aquí para usted.
6: If you're trying to reach Frontier Airlines customer service by telephone, you're out of luck. The airline has shut down the number amid rising consumer complaints about getting vouchers instead of refunds for canceled flights. Contact is now limited to email or text. The Federal Reserve's latest move, raising its key interest rate a half point, will have an impact on both businesses and consumers. The rate hike only indirectly affects mortgage rates. However, consumers buying cars or paying off credit cards will see higher rates. If you find an item marked on the shelf at one price but find it has a higher price at checkout, it may not necessarily be a case of deceptive pricing. Retail expert Francois Chobard, the CEO of Focal Systems, says inflation is raising prices 12 times faster than previously. Stores are struggling to keep up. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com.
0: This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and we are back with Megan Zinn. We're talking uh, with M.B. Cachetta on Writer's Block.
9: Well, welcome, and we're re- talking about um, M.B.'s book, A Cheerleader's Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment. So you know, in the book, you address difficult aspects of your life, as we talked about a little bit um, you know, sexual assault. Your difficult relationship with your family. Your family's hostility in response to the fact that you're a lesbian. You, your father disinheriting disinheriting you. A word I can't seem to say. Um, being an activist during the height of the AIDS crisis. Um, when you immerse yourself in these memories, how does it impact you? Is it, you know, is, it, is there grief? Is there catharsis? Anger? Um, you know, what what is the experience of sort of diving into these memories?
4: Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of trauma and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I can come out of it. I mean, I always have a little bit of a downplay of all my emotions. So, um, you know, I'm, I always say, oh, I'm grumpy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> my spouse is like grumpy, you know? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I definitely go through, you know, you, it's hard to get down to mm-hmm. all, I mean, I remember, um, with AIDS activism and being a part of ACT UP and working at gay men's health crisis and, um, I was a medical journalist at the mm-hmm. time. And I remember, you know, like, s- learning, you know, sitting in an auditorium when D- Dr. David Ho sort of described how AIDS was going to become this long-term chronic illness and, and people weren't going to be dying anymore. Like, I just remember feeling so numb and not believing. Yeah, it. yeah. And it was really, it wasn't until I moved here, it was like 2007 when I, re- I was running on the bike path and I was listening to Rent and i just started crying and it's like so delayed yeah yeah, like yeah so many people right. and friends died and it was so but we didn't have time and it
9: was probably not something you could imagine even though the doctor the doctor and the researcher were saying this is what it's going yeah. to become to to imagine that yeah. um seemed impossible
4: it, yeah yeah it was quite a it was quite a it was quite an epidemic we're in a, we're in our own one now but yeah that was really something
9: yeah and it's been compared i think by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, um, similarly, and similarly ignored. Well, of course, it wasn't ignored, but handled very, very badly. Yeah, we, I we think can we're say. never
4: quite prepared for no. the medical, healthcare, public health emergencies right. that you know. Yeah, and until we're in the middle of them, and right, right, <laughs> right.
9: Um, so, how do you how do you balance it out? You know, how do you how do you keep from being overwhelmed overwhelmed by the harder subjects?
4: That's a good question. How do I? How do I? I mean, I go to therapy. Well, but, that helps. And, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that really writing is my way of working it out. Yeah, that it, makes sense. It really is um, almost like a therapy for me. And then, and then I work on the craft of it. Once I get into the craft of it, I'm not so much. Mm-hmm. It's just like sort of the getting it in. Okay, the Okay, yes. First.
9: Then you, then you're focusing on the words that, and, yeah. and like how to, how to tell the story. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And then
4: it's more like a puzzle for me.
9: Hmm. Hmm. Um, uh, that's interesting. That you describe it as a puzzle because I do copy editing and and I love it because it's it's like doing a puzzle. Well, there's there's it's so much fun.
4: Every writer, you know, you're only as good as your editor and your copy editor. Every writer should know that. And, yes. You know, cherish your editor, but it is. It's like um. It's all. I always feel like when someone edits me, it's like they've moved the furniture around in such a perfect way <laughs> yes. that the room will never be the same and it's so much better. So, yeah. so that's like what doing, you do. Doing yeah. puzzles.
9: It's very fun. Yeah. Um, so what, um, in general, not necessarily about about this book, but what are, um, what's the most difficult aspect of writing for you, for you personally? Publishing. <laughs>
4: I but think publishing has been really dealing, hard. Dealing with
9: well, the in, publishing you know, world? You're in your room. Mm-hmm. You're
4: writing, you're writing, you're editing. You're maybe talking to one other editor. And then you get it published and they're like, hey, go out there. We're going to put a spotlight on you. and We would like to see you dance, please. And read and talk <laughs> and ask questions. And it's, they're such different things. Yes. Um. So I've that transition is always a little mm-hmm, hard for me. Mm-hmm. I always get a little anxious in the middle. <laughs>
1: um, well, you're dancing very nicely. Too. Well,
4: <laughs> yes. Oh, aren't you nice? Thank you. But um, yeah, no, it's... It's tough. And just publishing now, I just read in the New York Times today that said that publishing is really having a hard time. Even Michelle Obama's memoir is not doing well this quarter now mm. Michelle Obama's having a hard time you know all books are having hard having, time.
9: A time, having a hard time and plus is that one of them is on strike and yeah it just well blanked that, out as a HarperCollins? yeah
4: they're trying to consolidate they, yeah they're trying to buy Simon and Schuster. right and, and the
9: federal if, government said no yeah um, I mean if there were any fewer
4: publishing companies we'd all we, yeah where would
9: we go yeah and you were published by an independent publisher I have correct? been yes. all
4: three of my books have been well my first book i published when I was very young, was a book of short stories, I was still in my 20s, uh, and that was Allison Books, which mm-hmm. was a, a les- gay and lesbian press that is no longer, sadly, in existence, but this is a small um, literary uh, publishing house called Engine Books, and they're in Indianapolis, and she just, she's been so great to work with Victoria Barrett, she's like, I will publish anything you write, so that's <sighs> a very, that's very a nice, well, while we're talking
1: think. about it, how do people get their hands on on um, A Cheerleader's Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment?
4: You could go to any place you buy books online, and it is there. And um, Broadside has been doing a great business; Mm -hmm. they've been wonderful. Uh, And I think it's also at Odyssey. Odyssey.
9: And as I always like to add, most independent bookstores will order can can and quickly order anything anything you want. They're not going to get it tomorrow like Amazon, but they'll get it for you, and then you'll have supported your local.
1: Can I? I I just want to circle back when you were just talking about editing, and you were talking about the truth, M. B. In the memoir, it's important to do that. But what's wrong with the little literary license that makes the story flow a little bit? Does it have to be the truth about your life? Well, You're going to be the only one who knows. You <laughs> and well, your family, you'd right? you be
4: surprised how many people say, oh, yeah, I, was in, I saw that you wrote about I don't remember it that <laughs> way. That's not how it happened when I was there. You know. So yeah. I think you have to be very careful. And I also, because of my family sensitivity, I also was super careful to go back and um not reveal anything that was that would be too sensitive for them.
9: Mm. Yeah, and I imagine I mean there's a there's a line. There um a there's line. a line that was the um I can't remember if, was it five I can't remember the name of the book. The guy who was on Oprah and then it turned out most of it oh, was yeah. um little, created. million little pieces. Million little pieces. Pride. So there's yeah, there's um you know, there's the, there's there's the shades and and massaging mm-hmm. it and so that you have a good story and then there's just making things up out of whole cloth which yeah. is a, which is you know fully crossing the line yeah. i would imagine yeah. um,
4: you know it's funny i always think of this um, uh, i always think of this um cartoon from the new yorker that has a a woman she's signing books and her parents are standing next to her and they are saying to her we would have treated you so much better if we <laughs> knew you were gonna be a writer. <laughs> so. Or it could be goes,
9: thank you thank you for treating me badly because now you gave me something to write about. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: It goes
4: both ways it goes there, goes both ways. doesn't it? Yes.
1: Yeah. Well this is great. So one more time. Tell us uh, about M.B.'s book, what the yes. name of it is, and how to find it. Yes,
9: M.B. is uh, memoir is A Cheerleader's Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment. And locally in Northampton, you can get it at Broadside and then Odyssey Books in South Hadley. And um, at uh, any um, online book outlet as well. And
4: thank you for being here. Thank you so much. This was fun.
1: Oh, it was so, so entertaining and so interesting. Thank you. It, it sounds like it's a great read. Thank you, Megan. So that's it for today. Um, Congratulations, Justice Department. You now have the capacity of doing something serious for history. Hold people accountable. We're going to be back tomorrow for Afternoon Buzz at 4 o'clock. Please join us. Have a great evening.
0: This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP.
1: Have you heard? There is sad news for Western Massachusetts. And we'll be talking about it with the state representative for the 1st Franklin District, Natalie Blay,
5: who will be our guest this morning at nine o'clock. Get in on the conversation. Bill Newman, weekdays at nine. And again at five. WHMP, news, information, and and Talk for
0: Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP, Northampton. WHMQ, Greenfield. Northampton radio group station.